Good morning, happy Sunday, and thank you for being with us today at Radiate on this third Sunday of Advent, where we focus on joy. Uh, we are continuing to just voyage through our Advent season. Uh, we started with hope uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we ended up with peace last week, and today's theme is joy, elusive, mysterious joy. Uh, what is joy? I think a lot of us know what joy is when we see it, but we have a hard time believing it. We often see joy in kids. I think that's where I often can identify joy very clear cut. Um, there is a sense of happiness that is simple yet really deep that often flows out of children. A sense of contentment that as adults we seemingly lose as we get weathered by life and its events. So you might be asking yourself the question today on December 13th of 2020, is joy possible? Uh, I look through the events of this year and you may be saying, just like I am, is joy really something that we can gain? As we survey our lives and we look at what has happened, is joy attainable? Can we achieve a state of being joyful or having joy? The parents of Jesus and John the Baptist, as we uh, go through this, the, the story of Jesus's birth and the circumstances surrounding it, give us a glimpse of this joy and how in the simplest of ways, we, begin, we can begin to live out lives that truly embody joy, the joy that Jesus brought and gives us access to with his arrival here on earth. And the title of today's message is Joy, More Than What We See. Now, as we dive in, let's make a clear distinction between happiness and joy. So my eldest daughter loves to watch the movie Trolls, and I'm not going to lie, Trolls is one of the movies that when she says, Dada, I want to watch Trolls, I'm like, all right, we can watch Trolls. Like, Trolls we could do. I mean, great music, great story. It's kind of funny, solid message. And one of the core messages is how can people become happy? Uh, and the main character really tries to push this premise of happiness, continued happiness. And if you understand the story, there's two groups of people. There are the Bergens, this big, sad group of characters that want to be happy, but just can't be. And then they have the trolls, these little, you know, trolls, you guys remember trolls, little ugly little things that you used to buy when Toys R Us was around. Um, that was like all the rage, I think, in the 80s and the early 90s, where these trolls were always happy. So the Bergens figure out, in order for us to be happy, we must eat the smaller, happier trolls. Because if we eat the trolls, then we can become happy. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have eaten before, but I can tell you, food might make you momentarily happy. But you're not happy in the long run. Once the food is digested and is gone... If you weren't happy to begin with, you ain't going to be happy 
once the food has left you. Now, happiness is important. Don't get it twisted. And I want to encourage anyone and everyone listening, especially during these times that are really uncertain and kind of perilous, find the little things in life that make you happy, as long as they remain true to biblical principle and premise. But happiness, as we all know, is temporary, fleeting. And it could shift easily and suddenly from one moment to the next. Joy, joy on the other hand, is different. You see, when we examine and see and understand joy, we get to a place of understanding that joy involves much more than just our five senses and our, and our emotions. It takes us to a deeper level of our being. In our text today, in Luke chapter 1, we got the chance to examine the parents of Jesus and John the Baptist, and that's Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary specifically and Joseph for Jesus. And something really sticks out with me as we begin to read this chapter. The first thing that stuck out was joy goes beyond the surface of our given circumstance. Joy is a state of being that goes further and deeper than just what is happening right in front of us or on top of the water. Now, human nature often puts us in a place where the details of what we see impacts our state of being. This is kind of normal, y'all. Like, I, I want to make sure that we set this premise and understand. And let's use an example, talking about our state of being and our five senses. Uh, if you feel a grumbling in your belly, and that grumbling in your belly, going back to this food concept, is as a result of being hungry, as a result of said hunger, you may feel distracted, annoyed, angry, hangry, some of us call it, um, because there is a need, a physiological need, that needs to be met. A normal physiological need that needs to be met. And as a result of that need or a result of that feeling or that desire, we then see that there is a state, a, a, an impact to our current state of being. This is normal. And I don't want anybody to think otherwise. Let's take a look at Mary as we read into her response when she's visited by the, Abel, the, the, the angel Gabriel the first time. See, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and basically says, you are going to have the son of the most high and you are going uh, to give birth to the Messiah. And Mary's first response is a legitimate, logical question after learning that she's going to give birth to baby Jesus. How is this even possible? I'm a virgin. Now let's talk about the, soci the soci sociological ramifications of this. She is in fact a virgin. See, she's betrothed. 
in the Jewish system, if we're correct, there's three um, stages of marriage or heading to marriage. There's the engagement when the fathers set up, right? The uh, uh, the uh, the hopeful marriage between a daughter and a son, and then there's the betrothal, right? There's an, this is an official sociological statement. And the only way a betrothal can be null and void is it through an actual application of divorce. And then there's the actual marriage that happens a year and some change afterwards when the when the husband comes to pick up his wife-to-be. And they were in the betrothal stage. Everybody knew that they were betrothed to be married. But they were not married. The marriage had not been consummated just yet. So... This would have ripple effects in the community. This could have big time ramifications for both Mary and Joseph and their respective families. This is confirmed in Matthew chapter 1 when Joseph, when approached by the angel Gabriel and told that his wife is pregnant. Well, excuse me, when he notices that his wife is pregnant, right? He initially, he wants to divorce her quietly as to not bring shame or attention to her or to her family. So let's think about this. What might have been going through both of their heads? Put yourself in Mary's shoes. What might other people think? How could this be? What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to this baby? How are we going to make sense of it all to those around us? All these responses are understandable and even typical. And the emotional response that might come forth in our minds or in our, in our, our, or in our feelings life or in our emotional life, the immediacy and the urgency of the situations can cause for really strong feelings to come out. Let's take a look at where we're at right now. For a lot of us voyaging through what is uncharted territory and isolation and and a little bit of worry or anxiety because of what's going on in our world, it is normal, it is typical, it is understandable to see what has been given to us and have logical human reactions and emotions based off of what we are seeing and feeling. I want you to sit with that for a moment. Your emotions, what comes up, what you feel, what you experience. It's typical. And it's normal. But let's take a look once the angel responds back to Mary and see what her response is. Once he confirms how this baby will come about and said that this baby will be born of the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will overwhelm you, right? And you will be filled with his presence and you will become pregnant by the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. Mary's response, listen to this, y'all, is, I serve the Lord. May it happen to me just as you said it would. 
Yo, this statement says so much, y'all. Mary's statement says, I know the God I serve. Ooh, I know the God I serve. You see, Mary knew that she was walking in step, in line with God Almighty, Jehovah, Elohim. She knew that she was walking with him. So even though the details of her circumstance could cause and elicit typical normal emotions that she might feel in the immediacy of the moment, in her mind, she was able to go back and say, but this is the God that I serve. Yes, this situation does not make the most sense. And it seems as if there might be things that I might have to encounter. I would believe that Mary, knowing and probably understanding, being a woman and seeing others that have probably gotten pregnant around her, knowing the circumstances, knowing the society, putting two and two together and understanding that this is going to be a really difficult road for me to walk through. But she says, because I know the goodness of the God that I serve, let this happen as he says it would. Now I'm going to submit to you that Mary's thoughts and feelings probably didn't vanish because of the, what the angel said. She still had to voyage through the pregnancy. She still probably had the fluctuation of thoughts and emotions through the duration of her experience. But Mary made an inner choice that went beyond the immediacy of her circumstance. Mary made the choice for joy. And you see joy, joy is a soul choice. Mm, let me say that again. Joy is a soul choice. Joy is the understanding and knowledge of the goodness, mercy, and love of God. It is an inward experience. That means we come to a place within us where we have accepted what is or what is to come. We're continuing to use Mary here a little bit as an example Listen really quickly to Mary and her first words when she goes to meet her cousin Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary says later in chapter one, my soul gives glory to God. My spirit delights in God, my savior. You see, Mary's first words to another person is the confirmation of what is taking place in her soul. She professed and proclaimed joy that was rooted deep within her spirit being. It was a joy that when she first got to meet her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, that baby John, the Bible says, jumped within Elizabeth's belly. You see the joy that Mary contained and carried as a result of her soul choice had an impact on the baby that Elizabeth was carrying. 
The spirit in the spirit in John the Baptist, even in infant form and baby form, recognized that joy and had a reaction because of Mary's choice, her sole choice for joy. Mary speaks of this of the depths of her soul, and that is where joy originated. Despite the fact that the pregnancy situation was not an ideal thing for her to be going through in the human sense, she allowed for joy to well up inside of her because joyfulness is not a human feeling. It is a voluntary spiritual state of being. You understand what I'm saying there? The joy that you're looking for, the joy that so many of us want to experience, but we, we fail to encounter. The reason why is because we are waiting for a human emotional experience to feel joy. But that is not what joy is. Joy is a soul choice, a choice that we make that starts from the depth within our being, our invisible being. That allows for us to experience the goodness, mercy, and power of God and acknowledge that. And it's a voluntary choice. And that kind of joy that Mary experienced only happens when you've made the choice to be connected to God through your soul. Mm. Sit with me for a second. How many of us have struggled with joy during this season because we've struggled with allowing for ourselves to be connected to God and his soul and his character? How many of us have looked for this mysterious, elusive joy, as we said in the beginning, and find ourselves disappointed because we're not getting what we want. We're not getting that feeling. Joy is not this feeling. Joy is attained through your connection with God. And when you are connected to God, you are then able to experience the spiritual deposit of joy into your soul by that same God. When we make the soul choice, you allow for yourself to walk in lockstep with God the Father. Then he gives, he gets the chance to take his joy and place it inside of you. Joy that is derived from the peace of knowing, going back to last week, from the peace of mind and knowing that the Almighty God has everything in the palm of his hands. Is that an area where you're struggling this morning? Knowing that joy comes from God, but struggling because it seems like God has lost control. And if God has lost control of a situation how can we have joy? How can we connect ourselves with the one that has allowed for chaos to reign and run rampant? 
We have to get back to the root. And the root has to be choosing to allow ourselves to connect with God on that deep level, recognizing his goodness, his mercy, and his power. And when we do that, what happens is we can be like Paul, learning to be content with all things. And I love this 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 concept of contentment. Content here does not mean emotional happiness. It means a mental acceptance. Ooh, sit with that. Being content does not mean that you are emotionally happy or elated or satisfied. What it means is that you have come to a place of mental congruence, of mental understanding, of mental reconciliation and acceptance for what is or what will come. Mm. You know what that means? That means that your emotional state and your and and the and the and the soul, the state of your soul can be in two different places. Walk with me here. Do you know that you can be filled with the joy of the Lord and still in moments feel sad, disappointed, confused, angry. These are human emotions, as I, as I keep saying, and God never expected for you not to feel them. He created you with the capacity to feel them, but he also created he created you with a soul. And the joy of your soul can exist even in the moments where pain, sadness, disease, affliction, confusion, and even death roam in our bodies and our emotions. This is why the Bible says the joy of the Lord will be your strength because joy in its soul or spiritual state can exist within the pain, exist within chaos, exist within the difficulties of life. So ask yourself the question, have you given the Lord the opportunity to deposit his joy into your soul? The Lord, through his Holy Spirit, deposited Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, into Mary's existence, allowing for her to experience the fullness of his joy, both with the baby that was being birthed in her and the spirit that he deposited into her. Have you given God the opportunity to place his joy within you, to begin to birth inside of your soul the joy that only comes from him? Have you spent private time with him, giving him your mind, your body, and your soul in exchange for the chance for him to transform your spiritual state of being? How does he do that? You might ask, well, I need to know how this happens because I've been sitting like this for nine months. I'd like this joy that you're talking about. Well, there's one definite way that I know that it happens. And we see it twice in the story of Jesus and his cousin, John the Baptist, when we look at his parents. Joy is a choice that is rooted in our thanksgiving and praise unto God. Ooh. Look at this real quick, y'all. Look at this. We're going back to Mary. Then we're going to jump around just a little bit. Mm. You see in chapter one, in verses 46 to 55, 
after Mary says that initial statement of my soul gives glory to God, she then goes into a song of praise and thanksgiving unto God. A couple of things stand out in this joyful song of thanksgiving and praise. What stands out? Oh, we've been talking about it, and let me say it. Mary's joy is anchored in God's goodness, sovereignty, and mercy. Mm, let me say that one more time. Mary's joy is rooted in God's goodness, sovereignty, sovereignty, and mercy. She acknowledges the holiness and goodness of God's character. She sets him apart for all from all others, saying, Lord, you are holy. She highlights how good he is. And not only does she highlight his goodness through her or towards her, he highlights, she highlights his historic goodness towards his people throughout the generations. She acknowledges his sovereignty in God's power. She highlights his power, remembering how he has come through time and time again. And every time that he comes through, he shows up and he shows out. She acknowledges his mercy and his, his mercy that he shows her in his favor. She thanks him for choosing her. Mm, look at this. She thanks him for choosing her. For the relationship that God allowed for her to have with him and to be in relationship with him. Because God walks with her and because he chose for her to bear the Messiah, she says, now all people will know that I am blessed. Because you have shown me your grace, because you have shown me your mercy, because you have shown me your favor, now all people, not just the people of Israel, not just Elizabeth, not just her husband, but all of Jerusalem and all of the rest of the world, every person will know that she is blessed. Hmm. Here's the thing. It hadn't happened yet. The Messiah hadn't shown his face. But she spoke with thanksgiving and praise knowing what will happen. People didn't know it and didn't know that they wouldn't know it. But that joy emanated from her and it was a reflection of what God would do for her. Earlier in chapter one, we see Elizabeth as well. Once she becomes pregnant, she says in verse 25, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he's been kind to me. He has taken away my shame amongst the people. She too acknowledges God's goodness, his power, and his mercy. We also see Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. And we see that initially when he's approached by the angels in the beginning of chapter one, he's like, I don't believe you. So as a result, Gabriel shuts his mouth and says, you're not going to speak now until this baby is born because you did not believe what God has told you. And finally, when John the Baptist is born later in Luke chapter one, we see Zechariah let loose a joyful song of what? Praise and thanksgiving. And he does the same thing that Mary and Elizabeth did. He highlights the goodness and holiness of God's character, the sovereignty of his power, and the mercy in his favor. This is a lesson 
to all of us. When we're met with circumstances that we don't expect or we don't believe those that we didn't feel were possible or those that we didn't feel would happen to us, we can still find joy if we make the sole choice to root ourselves in praise and thanksgiving towards God Almighty. I don't care about the situation. I don't care if it's great. I don't care if you landed the best job or wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or house or car or neighborhood or the status of your dreams. The feelings of happiness that are connected to that will eventually fade. But if you choose to root yourself in joy and your praise and in your worship, you will realize that those things aren't given to you because you are good. They are given to you because God is good, because God is merciful, because God is sovereign, and because God has provided and allowed for you to have that because of who he sees you and because of the relationship that he has with you. He has created those things. Or maybe things are not so good. Maybe your family life is having some tension and chaos. Maybe your job situation makes you feel anxious or worried. Maybe financially things are in limbo. Maybe your relationships seem uncertain or unclear. Or maybe your health seems to be seesawing from back and forth. In the confusion, in the worry of these, of these human emotions, you can still root yourself in the joy of the Lord, knowing that he is still mighty and sits on the throne and delivers his people time and time again. Or maybe, just maybe, things are downright horrible. Maybe the state of our society and the pandemic has left you overwhelmed with fear and worry. The threat of severe sickness and death can help you have you feeling paralyzed. Lack of social contact and, 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 and interaction with those that you love makes you feel anxious and isolated. And that dark cloud of depression feels like it's hovering over you and you're trying to push it off, but you can't avoid it. You question where God is as COVID numbers continue to rise and people continue to suffer. You can still make the soul choice. Listen to this. In that pain, in that suffering, in that confusion, in that fear, you can still make the soul choice. Recognizing that God is still a God of mercy. Mercies that are new with each morning that you get the chance to see. And that mercy still rests upon you in the midst of your grief in the midst of your isolation, in the midst of your fear and anxiety, that God still sits on the throne and that his love and his grace is directed towards you. See, this joy, it's a soul choice. Today, let us use the example of these regular Normal people of Mary, Joseph, Zachariah, and Elizabeth. Neither one of these parents were divine beings. They were just regular old folk who, in the midst of their own situations, 
made sole choices for joy. And that was evident in the way that they worshipped and praised and gave thanks to God. If you're looking for joy this morning, instead of focusing on what you may want or what you may need or what you may have a lot of or even what you may have lack of this morning, instead, center your joy on the goodness of who God is. God is still good, even when things are bad. Goodness is God's character. Goodness is not things that God does. Goodness is who he is. Center your joy on his ability to do mighty things. God is not bound by human limitations. He is capable to do more, to do great things, even in the midst of great fear and uncertainty. Center your joy on his mercies. Despite the fact that you may feel down, despite the fact that you may be discouraged, he has carried you through and you are still here and he has woken you up every single morning. He has taken care of your needs. He has, and it, and, and, and it may literally be that God has made, God has taken care of every daily need one day at a time. But he has carried you through with his mercy and grace. But we need to make this our focus and we need to make it our practice. Joy is a practice. It is a choice. It is not a way of feeling. It is a way of thinking and being. Christ's birth was the culmination of God's goodness, God's holiness, his sovereignty, and his mercy all wrapped into one. His joyous birth was the start of a healing work for all mankind. He came to us, for us, despite us. And joy, in and of itself, heavenly, spiritual, godly joy, is healing. It speaks to us, despite us, in spite of us and reminds us that God is still moving and has purpose in everything. As we reflect on the joy of the coming birth of the Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Messiah, it gives us an opportunity to reflect on God's goodness his mercy, his sovereignty, and his grace towards us. Jesus' birth and the joy that comes from it is a reminder of God's desire for us to be connected to him so we can experience the fullness of his joy. Today on this Advent, may you find joy and may you make a soul choice to center yourself in the joy that can only be found in God the Father through Jesus Christ, his Son. Father, we thank you so much this morning for 
the opportunity to center ourselves into your joy, to make the choice to focus in. Just like Mary, just like Elizabeth, like Zachariah, like Joseph. To focus on your goodness. To focus on your grace and mercy. To give you praise, even as we continue to navigate through the unexpected. Father, I pray right now that the joy of the Lord descends on everyone listening and that you fill them with your spirit and that with your joy comes the peace of knowing that you got everything in the palm of your hand. We honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.